This is episode 116 on The Herpreneur Show. Today we have the founder of PD Warrior, Melissa McConaughey. Welcome to The Herpreneur Show, where we talk women, business, life. I am your host, Annette Lakovich. I'm an entrepreneur, businesswoman, mum, and I'm a fitness fanatic who loves to dance. What I also love to do is help you reach your fullest potential in business, health, and happiness. Join me as I bring you life-changing interviews, world-class education that helps you continue to up-level your next stage in greatness. It's your time to shine. Let's do it. If you have an idea that you've been sitting on and you haven't been pursuing it, it started off as a whisper, but now it's like a scream or a roar. And perhaps you know that you're sitting on information that you know is going to make a big difference in the world. And this is what I really feel is happening now with women coming through thick and strong. Women are creating more businesses. They're creating products to really make a difference. And what you're going to hear today is how Melissa McConaughey, she was a specialist in her field, one of the only, just a handful of people doing this with Parkinson's disease. Even though she was a specialist, a patient asked her one question and that radically changed the direction that she was going. Today, she's now the founder of PD Warrior, which is licensed in 10 countries across the world. If you have a message and you're scared to get it out there, this is the interview for you. Enjoy. I would love to know where in this beautiful part of Australia do you reside? I'm in Sydney and specifically in Manly, which is, as they say, God's country, right (laughs) next to the beach. It's gorgeous. It is stunning. It's absolutely beautiful there. And were you brought up there or would you venture over that way from somewhere else? I was actually born and bred in Papua New Guinea and came to Sydney as a boarder when I was 11, so over in the eastern suburbs. So I've I've been in Sydney a long time. I feel like a local, but I grew up overseas. You have a very interesting background. In 2006, I've got here, this is all from my research, so correct me if I'm wrong, but 2006, you launched your very first business. You're the founder of ARC, which is Advanced Rehabilitation Centre. In 2010, you were the youngest fellow Australian colleague of of physiotherapy that was in 2010 2014 you wrote a book and the book was called the new parkinson's treatment exercise is medicine today you are now the founder of pd warrior and it's licensed over eight countries around the world and now 10 so i would love to start with how the heck did you get into Parkinson's disease what is the story there can you take us back to 2006 or or further back where did it all start yeah well a couple of things one is my grandfather had Parkinson's and I never had the pleasure of meeting him but he had Parkinson's at a time when there wasn't levodopa medication which has taken Parkinson's from being a terminal condition to being something that people essentially live and then die with so he passed away and it was horrific for him. And I remember my grandma talking about his life and the end stage of it and how it was such, it was a real drain on her life. He was a huge burden for her and he had a terrible quality of life towards the end there. So I do mm-hmm. remember that and that always stuck in my head. And then as I became a physio and then a neurophysio, I, I just gravitated to neuro immediately. It was mm-hmm. this sense of being able to give somebody back some dignity, some independence, being able to teach them how to walk 
feed themselves, toilet themselves, all the fundamentals that make us us and that independence Mm -hmm. and personality back. And I was just hooked on that. And then probably around 2011, it was actually a patient that came to me. I thought I was at the top of my game in Parkinson's. I'd recently become a specialist, which there were not too many at that stage. And um, she said to me, I've heard about this program over in the US. What do you think about it? And I said, oh, I've never heard of it. It looks a bit out there. I don't know. And she said, well, would you check it out? And I said, sure. Mm-hmm. So a colleague and I went over to the US, checked out this program and came back and went, oh, my goodness, we have totally missed this whole body of research. And it was like uncovering a diamond in the rough. It was like incredible wow. and fairly instant, the impact we were able to have on a client group, a Parkinson's client group. And it was from there that we decided that we really needed to investigate the research a lot further because I think as good as the program that we'd gone to, to learn was, it really wasn't comprehensive enough for everybody with Parkinson's and the US has a very different funding model they'll fund certain amount of treatments which you know in Australia we would be asking for out-of-pocket costs so Mm -hmm. with any exercise program it has to be sustainable it has to be something that people enjoy and we knew that they needed to be in a supportive environment camaraderie we thought groups would be a really good approach you'd need to be educated to feel empowered and understand that you were the active participant in the journey not the passive taking medication you know so we kind of created our bucket list this is Mm -hmm. what we need in our program this is how we'll do it and that's how PD Warrior started in its very first iteration back in 2012. Wow. And so Mm -hmm. now this was giving me the ability to create a toolkit for a very very early intervention strategy that used very very uh, evidence-based literature that had never been applied in Australia and it was incredibly radical to do that. Like I remember going to speak to a group of neurologists and getting ripped to shreds. What's the research? What's the evidence? And I, I didn't realise what I didn't know at that point in time. So, you know, I, I put my, <laughs> set myself up for some failure there, but I learned a very big lesson and I said I will never put myself in that situation again where I am not back and across the literature, back to front, and I can, you know, spout it out left, right and centre, but it was a really good learning curve. And so from that, it's just gone from strength to strength. Mm. It's interesting because there's more women creating businesses now than men. There's more women in startup phases. We do need to go through this, this teething period and we might know the concept or really are passionate about it. It's so good that you didn't give up. And I think part of it is because you've come so far, right? You've come for so far. You've created ARC first. Like you've got the, the whole background of physiotherapy, then neurophysiotherapy. For you, it was like you were so committed. You were already so far in. Um, I would like to send a message out just to anyone that's in the startup phase right now is if you heard what Melissa said was she said that that's never going to be a mistake again that she's not going to make. She's going to turn up with, you know, everything there. Perhaps right now you've tried to create a business and it's just not, the hardest thing is bring the money in. It's it's getting the money in. You know, just listen to what Melissa said. She didn't stop. You didn't walk away from it. It was like, right, I just need more. I need to arm myself even better now. Yeah. So, and my question that I was, um, that came to me was, how did you go coming into the health industry, creating a health product that is probably against the norm. And you sort of answered that, but I would like to go into that a little bit more because you would have known that you're about to go into the lion's den with information 
Like just talk us through that whole process, what it felt like for you to go in. And I'm guessing it was probably a board of men as well. How was it for you going in there, knowing that you've got this radical approach, right, in slowing down the effects of Parkinson's? I can imagine they probably thought you were a bit of a woo-woo at the start. (laughs) Talk us about what happened with you internally, the belief that you had, knowing how you're going to show up. Let's go there a little bit deeper. Well, you were right. I actually was a room full of men and that had nothing to do with it, but it's incredibly intimidating. I think I was, well, I was a a lot younger. It was nearly nine years ago. But as I said, it it was the biggest learning curve because I did feel like I got absolutely raked over the coals and my reputation was in shatters, like in shreds by the end of it. That's how I felt. And I left there. I feel like I'm quite resilient anyway, but I left there. And as I said before, I was just like, I am never going to be in that situation again. And so from there I went on. And I think the whole PD Warrior approach for me has, I have felt like a cowboy at times. Like people have said to me, what the hell are you doing? Like, very, very well-known academics in the space are saying, I treat people with Parkinson's every day and none of my patients could do that. And I'm like, well, you know what? You have just become their biggest liability because if you say that they can't do it, they will never do it. They will never achieve it. And what I've seen these people do has constantly blown my mind and taught me what is possible if you just take that glass ceiling away. And I think with Parkinson's and with many things, We self-stereotype based on our own bias and in Parkinson's particularly, okay, I've got Parkinson's, it's degenerative, I can't possibly do any of these things anymore. And so they then become very insular and reduce their social participation, their activity levels and everything. And that's really common in Parkinson's disease. And so if you are the first person that challenges that and says, well, no, there's no glass ceiling here, you're just deconditioned, you're Mm -hmm. out of you know, you're you're out of condition, you need to get back up to speed and you can probably push that ceiling right up out of the way. And people have done that. Um, mm. And I guess that's my biggest lesson is, yes, I was a cowboy. I had to fight that because as a physio and as a specialist, you really rely on your reputation. That is everything in business. Yeah. And mm. I was out there backing something that was incredibly radical and I was challenged mm. constantly on that. And I remember when I launched the book, I don't think I slept for a week or two just thinking, oh, my God, they're so, they're, my peers are going to be reading this and they're going to be ripping this to shreds. And, you know, it took me about a year to get it out there because I first wrote it when I was pregnant with my son mm-hmm. and then I picked it up after I had my son and thank goodness I did because it was so much better for going through the book again and coming at it with fresh perspective and fresh eyes. So let's just say you've got the PD Warrior Program. Talk us through the approach that you had to be able to go into licensing and to feel comfortable to license it because we might have women listening that might want to license a product or a service that they actually have can you share with us a bit of your journey the due diligence that you had to do and even personally what you felt like had to tick the right boxes to feel like it was good enough to then license I can't say I planned it particularly well um so if you're looking for the the (laughs) step-by-step I didn't do that. I made every mistake known to man, I'm sure. Um, But I guess what I did want to do was train other health professionals. And so we started on a a Mm -hmm. course where we, you know, trained people in this approach, this philosophy. And from that, we started then having people saying, I love this. How do I do more? How do I learn more? How do I deliver this Mm. as PD Warrior? And I was like, all right, well, I need... I'd already trademarked it by that stage and then we were getting interest from the UK and I was like, okay, I've got to do something serious with this and I'm not going to give it all away um, unless they pay a little bit more and I can actually control what they're doing, which is why I decided to go down the licensing route. So 
we ended up creating the course into a level one to five. So by stage four, they're actually licensing and deliver the, delivering the program and they go through like the commercial model, how you deliver it as a complete package. Mm-hmm. Level one, two, three is all the clinical of how you deliver PD Warrior. Four is the commercial and then level five is a train the trainer program so that I could make it sustainable. Um, yeah, and I guess it just mushroomed from there. I remember 2015, we went to Bristol and we worked our butts off to get 26 people at a course in Bristol. And the next year, I think we had 60 people. And then the year after that, we had 200. And we'd go over and like do back to back courses for two weeks. And I'd leave going, oh my God. Um, but it was amazing because it just it just hit the same nerve that it had hit with me. And people mm. just went, wow, this is amazing. I'm like, yep, come on board because this is a sweet ride. It's You'll never do this in physio, in neuro. You'll never uncover something mm. so profound. Get on board. And so they did. A lot wow. of people did. Yeah. So it, it was more of an organic thing that happened. It was people yeah. crying out for wanting it. Was there ever a thought of doing anything besides licensing? Was franchising on the cars and you thought, no, I don't want that type of control or I didn't want that much import? Or- yes. I did think about it. I made a conscious decision not to franchise because I think the price point for physio, and look, this was just my my analysis back in, what, 2015, was that people didn't want to pay a lot of money for something like this. So there was no appetite for forking out 50 to 100 grand to purchase this exercise program, particularly because we didn't have a lot of evidence of return on investment at that point in time either. Mm. Yeah, licensing seemed a lot easier. There didn't need to be royalties. We could create a program where we could monitor quality assurance and deliver a lot of resources, but they didn't have the same governance profile as as what franchising would require. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then I think to take it over to the UK and New Zealand, licensing just, it made a lot more sense and there was a a lot more flexibility in it as well. If if you knew what you knew now, what would be one thing that you think I would have done differently or would have done faster or wish I was more self-certain, like was there a feeling inside or something that you just think, if I knew what I knew now to go back in time, what would you do differently, think differently or feel differently? I think I would have got a mentor a lot earlier than I did. I think I made mistakes the hard way and I didn't need to do that. Like, yeah, I think, but then you don't mm. You don't even think you can afford a mentor. Like you just, you, you're scrabbling around on the smell of an oil rag. You don't think <laughs> so you can true. afford anyone. Yeah. Um, but that would be the first yeah. priority. I'd get somebody that's been there, that's done it, that maybe shortcuts those trial and error processes and cuts down that time for you, mm. I think. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, probably the second thing is just back yourself because if it all falls apart, you know you've given it your absolute red hot go and you can walk away head proud, hopefully you've achieved something. And if you haven't, yeah. you're not sitting there wondering about it, I guess. And yeah, yeah. That's, you know, you've got to back yourself. Yeah, yeah, love that. Well, I think this moves in beautifully to our question of piece of advice. And maybe you want to lean on that more, I don't know. But if there was a piece of advice for a woman in the startup phase, what do you think she needs to hear right now? Let's just say she she is going through that hard time. She's trying to bring money and she's trying everything. Like she's throwing stuff against the wall to see if it works. What would be a piece of inspiration or just something that you wish someone told you back in that startup phase? I'd love to say that it always gets better, but it doesn't. <laughs> Business is just, just this fluctuating 
cycle where you've got brilliant days and you will be high-fiving everybody you meet and then the other days where you're actually going to need anybody that crosses your path to pick you up and you know give you a cuddle because that is business it's tough but that's what makes it so rewarding I think I would I couldn't imagine doing anything else now like yeah I'm so pleased with where we're at and I love the challenges of every day I love going to work and I think that's because I found something that brings me joy and hopefully you know helps a lot of other people and contributes and so I think if you're contributing and it brings you joy and it challenges you and you grow because of it then stick with it if you can and get Mm. a good mentor (laughs) yeah yeah beautiful piece of advice there from the mentor absolutely you think you can't afford to but you can't afford not to the investment buys you speed it buys yes. you the speed that saves you the pain. Though, you know, we, we learn so much as well along the way from, from not doing it, though we sometimes end up losing more money. But I also love that you talk about that, the highs and lows. And this is for every, even for the seasoned entrepreneur, we know it as well. I just did an interview actually for a new team member and they're a real critical part of our business. And um, there was one girl that she really thought she was really right for the job, but she loves consistency. She loves everything the same every day. And I just had to say, well, this is not the place for you to work <laughs> because we are changing. Like with small business, we can change direction within an hour. Yeah. You know, a big corporation takes weeks of chains of commands. And I just said, you know, we might be working on something and then just chuck it completely out because we realise there's a better way. And and that's what it's like in business. It's like we have to be able to pick ourselves up and we do have those days where we just don't want to see anyone, we don't want to talk, or there's days when we're just having, like you said, these incredible high-five moments. It's the biggest roller coaster in the world. So if you are listening you're going through that roller coaster ride right now, believe me, the light is at the end of the tunnel and the light is always you. Remember that the light is you. Piece of advice for the woman that is in expansion. She knows she's good. She's an expert at what she does, or she's been in business for a long time. She knows her clientele. She knows her product. But perhaps she's either one, holding herself back from that next evolution, or she's just ready to play big, but perhaps she's just not out there enough. What would be a piece of advice that you know, because you're a woman that's gone through evolution after evolution after evolution. I think the biggest things that I would say that have ever held me back have been self-sabotage. And I think the more you can appreciate and learn about yourself and understand what is holding you back, is it that you actually don't believe this is going to work and what's that based on? Or what are you scared about? Are you scared of failure or whatever? I think the more you can understand that, and that might come from coaching and mentoring as well, or you might just seek it out yourself. I'm not sure. But I think that's When I think about when I've expanded, it's when I've taken those massive leaps of faith and I've done my due diligence as much Mm. as you ever can. I mean, you're never going to figure out the whole plan before you jump. Um, But, yeah, I think it's it's really understanding that because it'll often be self-sabotage and I think particularly with women that we just we lack the confidence. We lack the confidence to to really back ourselves and and take that leap. Yeah. And the bigger the leap, there is you know, a lot of fear attached to it. But once we go ahead and do it, we look back and we think, what was I worried about? (laughs) And then the next leap isn't as scary. It's when we learn to leap forward, I think that sort of, it's always a little bit scary, but we're just more desensitized because we're used to going through those, you know, through those hoops. 
But um, yeah, incredible piece of advice. Thank you so much. The one thing you did say, which I do want to jump on the back of, which was you said if it's a matter of working it through a mentor or even through yourself, like I noticed writing is so therapeutic. If you're unsure, if you're stuck, just write. Write yourself a question. Do I believe in this? Do I believe in myself? Do I believe in the product? Do I believe in how it helps? And just sit there for a moment and just allow that to come out because that's when you're in your brilliance and you can block out all the noise and just really feel the compass point in the right direction because that doubt can be so loud sometimes. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to jump on that where you were saying even if it's yourself, to do it, just that writing just helps you get that back into that zone. I would love to to know, seeing we're on the subject of health, what is the one thing that you do, Melissa, on a very regular basis that's not to do with being at your desk or working with a patient? What is something that you do for yourself that is physical or something that really lifts your vibration up, realigns you and makes you the happiest version that you know? Well, because you said health, I can't say wine. Um, so I'd have to say ocean <laughs> swim. <laughs> oh, um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Living in Manly, I didn't ocean swim for the longest time and I regret that I missed out on those years. But I have a beautiful beach at my front door and it's gorgeous. So I would ocean swim most probably three or four times a week and can clock up six to 10 Ks per swim over summer, which is amazing. Um, that's when your tongue kind of rolls out of your mouth because it's so salty. You're going to have to roll it back up again. But yeah. Six that, to 10 fine. kilometers per swim. Per swim, yes. But it takes a while to build up to that. Um, but that's gorgeous. It's it's a wonderful. Oh, my gosh. I was a competitive swimmer, but in the Olympic pool. So you put me yeah. in the ocean and I honestly don't think I could even swim probably 50 metres in the ocean. One, because of fear. <laughs> and two, it's, 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 it's so physical, like the, the water and, yeah. oh, my gosh, I can't believe you do 10 kilometres. What goes on in your mind when you're doing that? Are you thinking of the day you got music or is it very therapeutic and everything comes in and out uh, and <laughs> empties? Yeah. I think I'm trying not to drown most of the time because you're getting waves coming over you. So I think uh, I like it because I'm not I'm not you're present about things. I'm just surviving. <laughs> that is it. You're fully present in the moment. Yeah. Wow. That yeah. is incredible. I um I actually live about yeah 150 meters from the ocean myself. And my husband loves to swim. He hasn't been swimming actually since it's gotten a bit colder, but he normally swims every morning and every night. And when you've just said that you're upset with yourself that you missed all those years of not swimming in the ocean, you now have me having massive FOMO. I have FOMO. (laughs) (laughs) I hope to one day that I'll be able to swim even one kilometre in the ocean. Melissa, thank you so much for just bringing, just carving the way. And that's how I started the interview was you've carved the way in education and you got pulled through the coals and you've come out the other end with really just making a difference in people's lives worldwide. So thank you so much for your genius and for your the audacity to go out there and just do something different and, and really own it. So thank you so much. Thank you. And good luck to everybody listening. It's, it's a fabulous you. journey. <laughs>
Thank you. We'll have all the information, guys, to learn out more about to learn more more about Melissa, about Advanced Rehab Centre, about PD Warrior. We'll have it all there and everything else we've mentioned on the show. If you go to AnnetteLakovich.com forward slash PD Warrior, that will be the link. And um, you can find out more if you do need to get in contact with any of her centres. Thank you so much, uh, Melissa. And it's been great to interview you today. Lovely. Thank you for your time as well. Thank you. You're listening to The Herpreneur Show. I hope you received the inspirational idea, thought or message that you're meant to hear today. If you love the show, it means a bunch to me sending me a message on Facebook or on iTunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first to know when the next show's released. Until then, make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness, something that lifts your vibration so high that you're the happiest person that you know. I'm out.